And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Thursday, which means it's Moody and Jake Day, or Jake and Moody Day, depending on if you're Jake or not. Uh, hello, boys. Jake, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Eric Moody? I'm great, thank you. Eric Moody, how are you? Yeah, things are great. You know, the weather has finally gotten a little bit cooler uh, in Texas, which is great. I guess for those that don't live in the area, the irony is that Texas just goes from hot to cold. We don't have fall. And being from Alabama, I miss it so very much. <laughs> I, uh, we got, I, I got to see your breath weather today in uh, New Jersey. So no. No, it feels we, like Halloween. What, Jake? No, Sorry, we got no. 60 tomorrow, but we got 82 today. Beautiful day for the beach. Would you stop with the beach? <laughs> Collect some seashells. I told you we don't get those I here. Know, I know. <laughs> uh, so for today's show, I mean, obviously being two days before Halloween, um, and you know all the games happening basically the day after Halloween. I want to do Halloween special. And initially, uh, I had some some ideas that just you know didn't pan out. So I picked four Halloween classics. I got the Great Pumpkin. I got A Nightmare on Elm Street. I got Frankenstein, and I got the Invisible Man. And I threw some players in who fall into those categories. So the Great Pumpkin is basically chasing something that isn't there. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street with just some sleepers. Frankenstein, these are, your team is cobbled together. You probably have some of these players on there. And the question is, are they worth it? Um, and the Invisible Man, it's just some players who have kind of disappeared on us. And I want to know what's going on going forward. So if you guys are game for it, let's begin our Halloween special. Okay. Let's do it. Spooky music. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the Great Pumpkin. Uh, so we're all familiar with the Great Pumpkin. It's basically chasing something that isn't there. Uh, poor Linus just keeps going back to the Great Pumpkin and hoping he's going to show up, and uh, he doesn't. So here's what I wanted to bring up. Four players in the Great Pumpkin. Uh, Darrell Henderson, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and DJ Moore. Moody, let's start with Darrell Henderson. Um, it seems like he's been a little better lately, uh, but I, I do feel I have this worry that Sean McVay is just going to throw Cam Akers out there. And it's just, I mean, there's that's not founded in anything other than a gut feeling that this guy likes to show the room how smart he is. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Cam Akers just isn't ready for primetime. But uh, Jarrell Henderson, and I just frame this as, is he like 14 carries for 65 yards rest of season? Is that how you're approaching him? How are you looking at Jarrell Henderson every time we keep going back to him? Yeah, I'd look at him exactly the way you broke it down, Nando. I'm like, you look at the Rams, like the average, I think it's nearly 32 rushing attempts per game uh, that ranks second in the NFL. I'm like, Henderson, I'm like, he's had 14 or more rushing attempts in four out of his last five games, including each of his last three. Now, overall, at least through my eyes, I'm like, he's playing better than Malcolm Brown, you know, in my opinion. 
But I think it's worth noting that Henderson's only had, you know, two games this season, you know, with positive rushing fantasy points over expectation. I'm like, we're always going to be looking at the dreaded running back by committee. And who knows, it could be any week that Sean McVay pulls the rug out from under us. Uh, But I think that's just the kind of player and guy that Henderson's going to be moving forward. I'm sorry, Moody. uh, We were looking for Sean McVay pulls the football away from us as we try to kick it. Just to keep it on that Charlie Brown theme. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, well played. Thank you. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Jakey, Jakey, how, where are you on Darrell Henderson? I mean, how much is he fluctuating in your rent? Is, is this not like a matchup thing for him? Is this kind of like, I just, I don't know. Like, just when you get comfortable with Darrell Henderson, it's like poof. No, I think that it's kind of the lesser version of Eckler and Gordon last year, back when Gordon was in the second half run once he was back to 100%. But the lesser version of them is they're going to both be used. They're going to both have opportunities. You got one that's going to be used more near the red zone or the goal line in the end zone. A five-yard line is going to be Malcolm Brown. Uh, getting the yards between the tens is going to be more Daryl Henderson. And if he scores from outside of there, then he's going to get his touchdown. So it's going to be that they're very closely ranked most of the time a week like this where he's a, a quote-unquote sleeper. I mean, we are in bye weeks. I know most people who have Daryl Henderson are starting him, but in case they don't want to, the reason why is, you know, the Miami Dolphins are top six in yards before and after contact, the only team to be there for both for running backs. So you talk about somebody with Henderson's home run play, elusiveness, that's the good opportunity where I would rank him in front of Malcolm Brown for the upside this week. Nando might have bought another Daryl Henderson rookie card this week <laughs> hey, I don't mind it. <laughs> hey, right i mean they're cheap why not <laughs> we're also loading up on Dwayne haskins's but uh another story for another time lamar jackson rushing yards Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill's boring and old and expensive no no no, no. he what? needs a Tannehill. put him on a new oh. team oh i see what you're saying yeah he the Tannehill effect yes what we need to do is get him on the jets for like a game just to get under adam gase and then let him go somewhere else just get that, yes. that magic touch <laughs> Uh, Jake, let's take a look at Lamar Jackson. I know people are, are kind of labeling him a disappointment, uh, but his, his stats basically hold up against his 2018 breakout season. Uh, they're just not as good as his MVP year last year. Uh, I noticed when I was looking up his stats that his receivers are dropping passes at a much higher, significantly higher rate than they were any other year. His previous high was 4.3% of drops by his receivers. This year, I want to say it's, it's 5.8, something like that. It's in the fives. Um, anyway, but I want to take a look at the rushing yards. Because he did have that one bad game when he had the bad knee. Uh, he had his first 100-yard rushing game. And I actually, this kind of stuck with me from your column, that he had that, his first 100-yard rushing game and people are still down on him. Uh, so I wanted to frame it with over-under on 60-plus rushing yard games left this year. I put a 3.5. And then just your thoughts on Lamar Jackson as far as, is he a buy? Are people chasing something that's not there anymore? Tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you 100%. After last night on uh, one of the comments that I got, that the, was about... 10 o'clock last night, and I said, this is what we've come to. Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson rest the season. And I tweeted it out because I said, look, I understand why this person, I'm not calling this person an idiot. I understand why they're asking. Like, I understand having that question. I'm still taking Lamar Jackson, and that's why there's a proof right there of the buying opportunity. He already has two games for your threshold there. He has the 83-yard game that people seem to forget against the Chiefs the first time around. I think mostly because he did nothing passing in that game. And he's got two more games where he's got 50 yards, so he's not that far behind that. If he told me, what did you say, 3.5, I'll take four. I'll take the over the rest of the season. I think they realize that, you know what, we want to protect Lamar Jackson, but at the same time, 
if we rein him in too much week one against Cleveland, they didn't really need him to. But that little stretch there with Washington, he did score a touchdown, but it wasn't a really great Lamar Jackson game. Cincinnati, they should have done better, but they were in the control for a lot of time. So I think it's a lot of combination effect here is that it's not one thing. You, you mentioned the drops. You also didn't mention, which I did. I'm not saying, no, 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 you didn't mention it. I just, yes, I but you didn't mention, thinking. you didn't mention the fact that like they've been in control of four of their wins. You know, they don't need Lamar Jackson. He's not even out there for one of like two of those games. He wasn't even out there to finish out the game. So if you look at that, I think it's just a combination of factors. I'll take the over. I don't feel good about it. I'd rather you have said 2.5. I don't want to take three as the easy over. These are but meant to be difficult and hard. Jim. I know. I know. Yeah. So I am buying low. You know, he has only passed for 200 yards twice, and it was weeks one and two. I still think there's better days. I don't think Des Bryant's going to do a lot for it, but I do think that, you know, that tells me they want to try and do something since the receivers are dropping so many passes. I think Des Bryant's going to have five touchdowns by the time the season's over between him joining the team. and the, I think he's just going to be a huge red zone target. Uh, last three games? <laughs> I don't know. I think he'll get back before that. I think he'll be in. They've only played no, no, six. No, no, no. No, it, it's not. It's not that he'll be back before that. It's will he matter before that? Because that's the problem. Oh. Like, so, yeah, because look what happened with Gronk. And th- this isn't even myself who brought it up. It was just really good. It was McFadden when he was on my show. Is that he said Gronk's working now because he had so much time off. There was no preseason, so he kind of had to go through a preseason to get back to Gronk levels. So Antonio Brown, we weren't talking about Des. Antonio Brown comes in, probably not going to see. Even 95, 90% Antonio Brown for at least two or three games is what the point was. That's a fair point. Des Bryant hasn't played since 17. So. Yeah, so do you want to pull back on those five touchdowns? No, I think he's going to get just – okay. I don't think he's going to be like 8-5, you know, 62 touchdown. I think he's going to be maybe, you know, 3-2-21 touchdown. Okay. I don't know. They're, like, if you look at their numbers, their targets, like after, after the top two, and I know they're not a pass-first team, but maybe they're not a pass-first team because – their third guy is Miles Boyk, and their fourth guy is Willie Sneed. Yeah, um, I know. I, yeah, I, just, I was giving you a chance to pull right, back hey. on that. That's all. Never, Jake. Moody, uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, you actually wrote about him in your column today. Um, but I want to know about his 20-plus fantasy point games rest of season. I got that at 4.5. It seems like everyone's jumping on the Baker Mayfield wagon. And, um, and you mentioned, and a lot of people are talking about it, but you put it into writing, that uh, it looked like he played a little better without Odell Beckham Jr., so what do you see going forward for Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the uh, taking the over. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, the under the radar column. Uh, I'm like, the offense does look more in sync and improve without Odell Beckham. Perhaps it's, hey, we're not trying to appease to his ego by feeding him the ball. You know, who, who knows? You know, we're not in the locker room. But if you look at Mayfield's entire career, I'm like, he's average 18 fantasy points per game in his career. So, again, I'm taking the over here. Uh, if you look at Cleveland's schedule, uh, for the rest of the season. I know they play the Raiders this week, and then they have a bye week. But after their bye week, you know, they face the Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, Titans, Ravens, Giants, Jets, and the Steelers. Now, I think we can find, you know, four and a half or five games where Mayfield scores 20 or more fantasy points, but that's my opinion. I, I mean, do you do you see him being um, efficient, or is he going to be putting up big numbers? Like, I mean, are you looking at, like, oh, maybe we'll see, like, a 28-29 point game in there, you know, a couple times? Or are you just saying, like, he's going to be like a steady 21 in this Cleveland system? I just believe he's going to be more more steady because you got Kareem Hunt that's there. Nick Chubb will be coming back hopefully soon. So they're still going to lean heavily on the running game. 
it was just the circumstances like last week where he really had to to throw the ball. But do you really want to roll the dice with Mayfield like, you know, that that often? You know, who knows? He could surprise us. But I think it is going to be more steady than like a 28 or 29 point explosion. Moody, you also had uh, Rashard Higgins as as one of your players you highlighted and under the radar. Um, but after that, how, how are you looking at Donovan Peoples-Jones and uh, Kaderil Hodge, maybe, who, who uh, Zach Jackson, our, Cle- our Cleveland writer, brought up in one of his uh, in one of his news briefs? Yeah, that, that's a tough one because uh, I do like Donovan uh, Peoples-Jones. Um, I think the biggest issue is that the way the offense is structured, I don't think that they're going to be able to support – you know, three wide receivers because they also throw heavily to the running backs with Hunt and then also to the tight ends. Um, I'll just kind of go ahead and give a kind of a plug on uh, on Donovan Peoples-Jones too. You know, I, I love the guy. I'm like, he's he's versatile. I'm like, he can line up on the outside, work from the slot. Uh, I think one thing that's interesting though, when you look at like his college career, I don't think the statistics, you know, really tell the complete story. I'm like, the athleticism is clearly there. I'm like, this is a guy that tested similarly uh, similarly to uh, Henry Ruggs uh, at the Combine. He's just a guy that needs further development. I just don't think the opportunities are going to be there for him. But if you're in a deeper, you know, deeper format, you know, 14 or more teams, I think he's definitely worth picking up this week because I think he'll have some big games down the stretch. Uh, Jake, I'd like to – our last great pumpkin is DJ Moore, uh, who's been very interesting. In the last five games, he's only gotten more than six targets once. But he has a streak of 93 yards in his last three games with three total touchdowns. Um, is this a guy who's going to show up? He's got Atlanta, Kansas City, Tampa Bay in his next three. Um, or, or is this you know someone that we're kind of looking for who's not going to be there based on really the volume and the targets that he's not been getting? Is this one intentional? Did you, did you include DJ Moore on purpose? Is that what it is? Jake, I put everything in here for a reason. <laughs> did you did you read my tweet on Sunday and say the fact that like I can never get DJ Moore right because he's either top five wide receiver or wide receiver twenty five? <laughs> no, you tweet too much for me to actually see all of yeah, your tweets. I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, you just don't. You you just hate Twitter. Also, also to be hate honest, Twitter. True. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, DJ Moore. The, the problem is, it's just it's the volatility. He's not too dissimilar from Omari Cooper a few years ago before Dak Prescott and the success with the Cowboys. Is that you know, he's getting a lot of consistency on the receptions, four, eight, two, four, four, five, four. So there's really just two outliers there. And then if you average them together, what do you get? You have five. So he's getting consistent there. It's just whether or not he hits the big play. It's whether or not he scores a touchdown. So you get the weeks of seven points and seven points and seven points. And then you get the week of 16 and 17 and 23. He's just, like I said, top five or wide receiver 25. So you got to play DJ Moore. Similar to, and that's why I brought up Amari Cooper, because you can never bench him. You can't, because if you try to play the matchups, you're going to miss out. DJ Moore had one of his 12-point games against Chicago. He had a tough matchup, uh, obviously didn't face um, Latimer the entire game against the Saints, and that's when he went off last week. Atlanta was a good matchup, and he went great against them. But, you know, he had, came up with seven points against Arizona, which should have been another good matchup. So it just really depends. Uh, if what you're going to get every single week is not going to be predictable, so just put him in your lineup. He's a wide receiver two, wide receiver one some weeks, wide receiver three some weeks, and just enjoy it. I like that, Jake. That's very optimistic of you. Uh, it's just the truth of who he is. This is why yeah. this is why I always wanted Cooper as my wide receiver two, and I never got him. This is why I wanted DJ Moore as my wide receiver two and never got him. Preferably wide receiver three if I could, but you definitely can't get that. But I don't usually end up owning those guys. I usually end up trading for the guys because the owners or the people who have them on their roster, you know, get frustrated with that. And because they drafted him potentially as their number one wide receiver, you know, maybe they went early with the tight end, maybe they went running back, running back. 
they get annoyed that that's their number one wide receiver, then you get trade value out of them. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, Moody, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Which one's your favorite? Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street films? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the first one, of course. Classic. Is that of course? Three was mine. That's was like, that the uh, which one was that? <laughs> Jake, you want to jump in? The Dream Warriors. The Dream Warriors, yeah. 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 That, I think that just hit right at the right time in my childhood. Um, came out at the right time. Probably rented the VHS. Jake, let me <laughs> guess. You've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I haven't seen a lot of them. I was too young at the beginning of those to be even allowed to watch a lot of them. There were some very disturbing, like when the girl turned into the cockroach and he crushed her. I didn't see. I don't know what that one was. Oh, I mean, I do know Johnny Depp made his de- debut in the bed. Well, there's that. <laughs> there was one where he turned everybody into a like sausage on a pizza and ate them. It was very strange, very weird. <laughs> anyway, I I just prefer Scary Terry on Rick and Morty. Well, yeah, but you don't fully. Well, I guess you do at this point. Like everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. I I saw I saw enough pieces once it became on like TV. But I'm, I'm assuming the TV versions are like like not as milled down a little bit. Are they? I don't know. Because I never um, saw the originals. Well, now it's, what time is better than now, Jake? I don't like old things. You know that. Uh, all right, hold on. I got to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you. Uh, let's get to this. Moody, I'd like you to go first on this one. Um, Daniel Jones, uh, he's running. I mean, you know, we make these arguments with a lot of these quarterbacks. Like, well, they might, you know, only pass for 100-something yards, but ran for 45. Um, and, I mean, he's kind of a joke now, which in a, in a good way – well, in a way, it's good because if you want to get in on Daniel Jones, uh, probably coming pretty cheap because he's, you know, Mark Sanchez butt fumble level embarrassing. But uh, he's got a lot of rushing yards this season. He was fourth. I mean, he's got two straight games with 75 plus rushing yards. Um, is this, I don't know, man. Is this something we consider a sleeper? Yeah, it's tough for me to buy Daniel Jones as a sleeper. And I'm thinking, man, Nando's really going to make me talk about Daniel Jones here. Well, you can rush- talk, I'll do it. You can talk I'll badly it. about You no, can both talk about it. That's fine. Yeah, let, let, you know, I'll, I'll kick us off then. Like the, the rushing guards are great, um, but the Giants offensive line and Jones' overall quality of play are legitimate concerns. I mean, if you look at a lot of different metrics and things like true passer rating, uh, where you take away, you know, like uh, like throwaways and some other things. I'm like, he's still, you know, at the bottom of the league. I'm like, he finishes a QB1 for the first time this season, you know, last week with, what, nearly 25 fantasy points. But outside of that, he's only averaged 14 fantasy points per game. I'm like, if you remove that game. I know it's easy to look at the Giants' schedule and say, hey, there's, you know, there's some optimism. You know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. But, but here's the reality. I'm like, you've got guys like Will Fuller. Allen Robinson, Mike Davis, Terry McLaurin, to name a few that are averaging more fantasy points per game than Jones. I'm like, the situation is so dire. 
uh, with the Giants as a whole. You know, I'd rather actually start Tua or Phillip Rivers than to have success or failure of my fantasy team dependent on Daniel Jones. That's how I feel about I it. I don't know if that's a hot take. Like, I, I like Tua is exciting to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's already kind of better than Daniel Jones in my mind. I mean, Jones has a billion turnovers, too. So you're losing two points every time he fumbles or throws an interception. Um, all right. I'm just I'm like, look, I don't feel like I need to get Daniel Jones everywhere. I just like asking these questions because sometimes there are these hidden stats. Uh, Jake, you, you seem very motivated to talk about Daniel Jones. No, because you brought up his rushing. And here's the problem is, he, yes, there's 31 rushes on the year. But there's 13 of those are scrambles because he's running for his life. He's only got 18 true attempts. So that's the problem is if you look at it very similarly, Joe Burrow, 18 true attempts, 14 scrambles. They're in that same range. Carson Wentz, 21 attempts, 14 scrambles. These are guys that are scrambling because they have to. So I'm not putting a whole lot of weight into their rushing and the fact that, yeah, sure, okay, you could argue the offensive line is going to keep that happening. But just because he's scrambling doesn't mean you're going to get success out of the rushing attempts. I'd rather know well, that. But he is, though. I mean, can you make a case? Not, that but he's, he's not. He's not always. Not That's the thing. Yeah, okay, he busted off an 80-yard run. but And you know I'm the person, everybody knows on this night, where I'm the person that hates when you say take the play away because you can't. That's part of the game. But right. that 80 yards is inflating a hell of a lot of what he's been doing before that. Like, that was the problem is he was scrambling, but he was averaging like four or five yards. It wasn't a scramble like a Lamar Jackson scramble or a Patrick Mahomes scramble who are on the flip side like Patrick Mahomes. His is seven attempts, 27 scrambles. But when he scrambles, it's kind of it's almost like he turns it into an attempt. But he's got the third most rushing yards in the NFL. I mean, that's what it's regardless. Again, of, 80 I, yards, I one busted play. Yeah, but take that away. Okay, fine. Let's play the take that away game. Take that I away. Hate take play. I take that. I hate that game. Take that away, and he still has the fifth most. Yeah, and that's but the, like no no the, don't play the fifth most. Tell what the real number is. That's the problem. So take away the eighty, and it would be two sixteen, which would put him ahead of Josh Allen, who only has two hundred and four. Yeah, and how many touchdowns does he have? Zero, because he's, got, he's running. Oh, okay. It's not it's not real running. Well, add that touchdown that he could have gotten from since we're playing this game. And no, he could have yes. had one. <laughs> like the point is his. <laughs> I know what you're saying, Jake. I know what you're saying. But what not, I'm saying it is, doesn't matter. 296 rushing yards is, and I know this isn't perfect because it's different every game, but 29 points that you're adding on. No, it's not. It's sure it is. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's probably it's like just, 26 when you go you know game what it by is? game. But adding that on, yeah. you know what that? Here you go. I'm, I'm gonna give our, our wonderful producer some work. Adding that on, it's just adding well, shit on top of shit. Michael Beller. Fine. Let's move on. Denzel Mims. <laughs> <laughs> Moody, uh, Denzel Mims, you and I, I wrote this to you after you filed. Uh, we're, we're brothers and loving Denzel Mims, man. Like we are, we are in that brotherhood and I feel like it should be a, a bigger brotherhood and it's not like every time, like I got Denzel Mims everywhere and like, I wasn't bidding a lot on him, you know, six bucks here, eight bucks there. And the next highest bid was like a dollar. What's going on, man? Like I, I thought he was a super sleeper. No one else seems to appreciate it. Yeah, I think you and I are aligned, uh, you know, like on that email thread. It's just that I think people see Denzel Mims, you know, Sam Darnold, Jets, Adam Gase, and then they just kind of let that perception, you know, cloud their judgment. But, you know, coming out of college, you know, I love Mims. I mean, he has a skill set, frame, lineup all over the field. 
you know, a mismatch, you know, creator. Um, like he had a, a really good NFL debut too. You know, caught four or seven targets for 42 yards against the Bills. Like he tied uh, Braxton Berrios for the most targets, you know, let the Jets in receiving. I'm like, you look at Jameson Crowder, you know, his injury situation, Rashad Behrman, uh, he's going through the concussion protocol. So he could find himself uh, as the top guy once again. I'm like, he played 79% of the Jets' offensive snaps. I think one thing with the Chiefs' defense, you know, they've allowed top wide receiver scores to average 13 PPR fantasy points per game over the last five games. The reality is the Jets are going to have to be really, really, really aggressive in order to even attempt to keep up, you know, with the Ferrari that's the Chiefs offense, you know, with all those weapons that they have. So I think this bodes well, you know, for Mims. I like him a lot this week, you know, wide receiver three with uh, with upside. Eric, do you like him going forward? Is this something like, um, and I brought it up uh, on the video show with Jake on Tuesday, which is not exactly the same thing, but someone like, you go back to Odell Beckham in 2014 when Beckham showed up in week five and he had a, like a 40-yard game, a 30-yard game, and then just went nuts. And it's like people forget, like, Mims is a second-round pick. He's not just this guy who just popped up and is like, hey, you know, here I am. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in fantasy football, when someone comes in late and they're not, like, super heralded, you know, it's not like two is coming in and taking over the game and everyone's been waiting for it. It's like Denzel Mims just kind of quietly showed up on a bad team and he could he could hit a string of games here where maybe he develops into something, not quite Odell Beckham Jr., but that same kind of idea. Or is that crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy because it kind of goes back to, you know, perception. You know, people kind of have a perception of what may or what may not happen and kind of and ultimately trying to find reasons for where, oh, that can't happen because of this or that. I always like to look at it from the opposite. I'm like, what climate has to, to be in place for for this to happen? And I think when you look at the Jets, you know, look at the defense that they have, you know, they're going to be trailing, you know, in a high percentage of games. But I'm like the immediate rapport that uh, Darnold had, like with with Mims. I'm like, it's, it's very encouraging. To your point, Nando, you give that a couple of games to, to really develop. I'm like, he could end up being a difference maker, you know, for the uh, for the rest of the season. I'm like, when you got like Perriman and Mims, like on the outside, kind of threatening defenses vertically, then you've got Crowder uh, underneath. And if you get, um, you know, a P. Ryan, you know, involved as well as a receiver, I'm like, I think there's going to be some opportunities here. So no, I'm, I'm buying it. All right, Jakey Jakey. You want a fun stat for that, by the way? I would love a fun stat. For Pat Mayo, tweeted this out last night. I don't know where he got it from. Still finding out what the where he did. But since 2005, there have been 17 times in which a team has been 14 and a half point underdog or greater. In all those 17 games, 18 wide receivers on the underdog team have hit the hundred yard bonus. How did that uh, fit in a tweet? Denzel Mims. Oh, he screenshotted it. <laughs> That's a great stat. Yeah. So 18 underdog wide receivers in 17 games have hit 100-plus yards. All right. I like it. I'm, I'm Jake, long-term Denzel Mims, like let's week 11, what's he going to look like? He's the same conversation as Deshaun Jackson, Henry Ruggs, those type of wide receivers that two, three, four receptions. Christian Kirk right now. And you could potentially get 100 yards on the score. It's not going to likely be volume-based, and there'll be some inconsistency, mostly because of Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, my biggest issue with him coming into the NFL is that he runs into his own coverage. Like Eric knows this. When you scout players, and for people who are out there, they talk about how you stack the defenders, and you, that's you're putting them in place, and you're stacking, like getting on top of them so you're in the better placement for when the ball is coming. Mims almost lets like runs into the defender stacking him. Like if you watch his tape, he runs into coverage, which makes no sense. 
given his speed. Like you'll see some games where the corner was giving him a 15 yard cushion off the snap because of his speed and they continue to drop back and he almost runs right at them and it's just baffling. So he's got great ability. He just needs to know how he, he very, very, very much lacks nuanced route running. Uh, Jake, let's stick with you. Uh, we, we mentioned Donovan Peoples-Jones earlier. I put him as a sleeper, but let, let's go ahead to Nelson Aguilar, who uh, also featured Moody's column, by the way. Uh, is he, like Maybe I could have put him in the Great Pumpkin, too, but I think he's, he's a bit more of a sleeper than someone we're chasing who's not going to show up because he has shown up. Um, is this kind of like the Adam Gase effect, but without Adam Gase? Like, Aguilar just found a new home, <laughs> and he fits, and the Gruden <laughs> offense works for him? No, this is confidence, as uh, our good friend Emery Hunt pointed out. You saw it. I retweeted it. I'm pretty sure you retweeted it, too. It was on Sundays that he's got the confidence back that we saw at USC. These are humans. We joke a lot of times, and you know, I joke that I like more players better than others. I don't truly ever want a player, no matter who it is, even if they're on the Giants, and I would love to get him Trevor Lawrence. I don't want Daniel Jones as a human to fail, but... It when it comes like you down did to earlier. It like yeah, you that's what I'm saying. Though it's like I would love Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I want to go uh, as a Giants fan. I want them to go one and fifteen, get Trevor Lawrence, and start with a real franchise quarterback. If Daniel Jones proves me wrong and ends up being a franchise true quarterback, good for him as a human. These are humans with emotions. There's are humans that anybody out there knows what it's like to lose confidence. Nelson Aguilar was never an amazing talent, but he's better than what we had seen in the NFL to this point. And credit to him for not giving up and getting some of his confidence back with the Raiders. And that's why he's playing well right now. He's not that different from the receiver he was with the Eagles. He's just not dropping passes. He's getting more opportunities because he's on the field consistently. We talked about how the Eagles kind of ruined DeMarco Murray. And I'm only bringing this up for a comparison of the fact that DeMarco Murray needs 20 touches, needs that game flow, needs to stay out there, not get pulled in and out to stay who DeMarco Murray was. We saw him fail when the Eagles started screwing around with that. Not every player can do those kind of things. So when think about a baseball player, when the error, and they always say the ball finds you after you have an error, it's kind of that thing. It doesn't truly, it's, it's the same thing as like a revenge game. It's not a real thing. It's the same thing as, you know, contract year. It's not a real thing, but it's the confirmation bias. So as the player, when you fail, now it's that pressure, I can't drop another pass. And then you mess up a route. It's like, oh my God, the coaches are looking at me. And then they pulled you off the field. He's got his confidence back. That's the really, that's the basic, simple version of this is he's got his confidence back. It's great, mm-hmm. right? So we're good. Like, you, Jake, confidence scale, Nelson Aguilar, rest of season, um, one to 10. 10 being, I'm confident that he's going to be fantasy relevant and flexible um, all the way through. I'll you know, say bar- six. Barring injury and all that weird stuff. Six. Because I still think Ruggs is the better player. And I think Ruggs could still be the number one. Right now, the volume's not there for Ruggs. And then Brian Edwards is coming back. And Brian Edwards' talent is still somewhat better than Aguilar's. I think Brian Edwards could just be behind Aguilar for the rest of the season at this point. So that's why I'll give him a six. Uh, If it wasn't for Ruggs and he was the number one, like let's say Ruggs was still hurt and he was still trying to come back, I'd put up as an eight. But it's more about Ruggs. It's more about Waller still a huge part of this passing game. So I think there'll still be some inconsistencies. Uh, Moody, where are you on that? No, I, I do agree with Jake on a lot of what he mentioned. Like, first of all, with, um, you know, having uh, Aguilar be like really fantasy relevant in the in the short term. Because, uh, you know, he mentioned Brian Edwards is coming back. You know, uh, Ruggs is still kind of getting uh, acclimated. But I do like that John Gruden is using uh, Aguilar like in the, in the middle of the field. Uh, one thing with uh, Cleveland's defense, because they're matched up against the Browns this week, is that 
I mean, they're giving up a ton of fantasy points uh, to the wide receiver position. Uh, I think it's like 51 uh, PPR fantasy points per game over their last five games. On top of that, they've also been very vulnerable to uh, to slot receivers. And if you look at um, Aguilar's uh, percentage of routes, you know, snaps from the slot, it's not that far behind like Hunter Renfro uh, last week. And so, you know, I do like uh, like Aguilar quite a bit, but I, I, I was really kind of smiling here silently whenever Jake was kind of going through that about kind of the real life football aspect, like with the confidence piece, because, you know, this is, you know, this is their livelihood. You know, these, you know, these humans, as Jake mentioned, you know, this, this is their job. And it's kind of like Aguilar was everything was heightened. He was essentially like on a performance improvement plan. You know, it ultimately ended up going to corrective action. And it's like, he felt like every single microscope and lens was on him. So it shows a lot of mental toughness for him to get beyond that. And I think we're seeing the uh, kind of the fruits of uh, that determination here in Oakland. So love it. Moody, let's stay with you. I, I wanted to put Zach Pascal in here um, on our depth charts, which uh, Moody, Moody is the chief of the depth charts. Uh, we put Zach Pascal. I actually, wait, I think we did a live on the show. We put Zach Pascal as number one. Um, and there's like zero buzz. I mean, coming off the bye and all this hate for Philip Rivers, uh, not from here, but just from all corners of fantasy. Is I mean, Zach Pascal, is it safe to call him a sleeper? The the number one wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts? Uh, isn't that weird? Is that weird? No, I don't believe it's weird because, you know, you got the injury situation with uh, Michael Pittman. I know he's getting closer to returning. You know, T.Y. Hilton is just clearly not the same player that he was like in the past. And so the opportunities there, you know, for the taking. And uh, Pascal had a, a solid game uh, before uh, the Colts uh, bye week. And so you have that bye week, kind of things could shift around, uh, you know, a little bit. So you know, I, I do think that he uh, he emerges, uh, you know, as like a, a sleeper breakaway uh, breakout player uh, for this week. So I'm excited to see uh, what he brings to the table. Jakey, Jakey, you're ready to jump in. <laughs> I said it was, yes, a little bit crazy because there's, in my opinion, not a number one because the past two games before their bye was Marcus Johnson. And I think it's just going to be, at this point, a rotating carousel of who is the number one any given week, any given game, any given plan for this team. So, you know, Marcus Johnson took over on fewer snaps, too. As the number one, and he's coming back healthy. You mentioned that uh, Eric mentioned that Pittman's coming back, could be back this week, if not next week. And I still like Pittman as a talent better than both of those guys. I, I think the one thing we will agree on is no matter what, it's not DYL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, what, what a fall from great. Like, is that fixable at all, or is that done? No, that's career. That's body. That's that's similar. So unless they pull the AJ Green on him, and I don't know that he has the ability to do that because that's not. Who T.Y. Hilton? It'd be asking, like, if you all of a sudden told T Tyreek Hill, you've got to play within 10 to 15 yards every single play, and that's that's it, and you lost part of your speed. Like, it's just not going to work. That's that's not why they succeed in the NFL. So I don't know that T.Y. Hilton's fixable like A.J. Green was. That's fair. I all right, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to Frankenstein. Um, this is basically, <laughs> these are some players I looked at on teams that I, well, <laughs> what? what did you say? Frankenstein? Why yeah, it's, it's young Frankenstein, Jake. Come on, man. Hey, uh, Nando, uh, some, uh, some breaking news. Looks like the Giants had a player tested positive for COVID. Oh, Giants. Didn't expect that from such a noble organization. Noble organization. <laughs> well, the way they held themselves up. I mean, you know, were the Giants class and excellence, you know? I mean, that could be nothing. At this like they're point, Harvard. Too. It's yeah, but I mean, look at the fact that we thought the Raiders might be without an offensive line, and that ended up being fine. 
think the NFL is like at the point now where it's like, look, we don't care unless there's 15 people who have COVID. We're going to find a way to play at oh, this yeah. point. I wonder, which, I wonder which giant it was. You want to take bets on which giant it was, or should we just move on to the Frankenstein part? I'm, I'm going to bet it's not somebody relevant. I'm going to say it's someone relevant. Could you imagine well, if it was I'm, Daniel Jones after those that DJ video came out? That's If it was someone you, at that bar? Uh, that's, yeah, that's going to be pretty... I mean, even if it's Saquon Barkley, then... Yeah. I mean, that's going to... Basically, anybody... Because it wasn't just them two either, was it? it was, I thought it was other people. No, there were some players, and I, the guy got caught because he's like, oh, it was from last year, la, la, la. And then they found some rookies in the background. <laughs> yeah, but so, I don't want to... I also don't want to say the name Nando because I don't want people like tuning into this podcast and assuming we have any kind of information and then we get in trouble. Assume away. <laughs> I think people are pretty safe in knowing that we have no inside information here on the Athletic yes. Fantasy Football Podcast. Yep. Really? Really? The, <laughs> comment, like, <laughs> the comments that I get in the rankings got like I'm not look, I'm not coming for them. I wish I had this kind of information, but like what's the insight on like what was the who's the person that got hurt this past week and they still hadn't had tests for it? It wasn't Chris Carson, I think Diego it was Samuel. I, no, it was somebody else and the guy Oh, it was Kenyon Drake. And the fact that they hadn't released how long Kenyon Drake would be out on Monday, the guy's like, what's going on with Kenyon Drake? Why won't you tell us? And I'm like, like, first of all, the team's not telling anybody. I'm not Adam Schefter. I don't have, I appreciate you think I have this kind of insight. I love if I did, but I don't know. And it's probably because he's at the hospital. Like, leave the guy alone. Jake, because they're humans. What? Because the players are the people asking. No, the, the players. Leave the guy alone. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's go to Frankenstein and hope that this Giants thing was just a terrible dream. Um, these, so I, I was. This is inspired by me looking at uh, my my Yahoo team, where uh, Nick Chubb's on the IR and Le'Veon Bell is, you know, has been kind of whatever. Uh, and so I'm, I'm actually down. It's a it's a 14 team league, but I'm starting Lynn Bowden at running back right now. Um, thanks in part to an ill conceived trade where I gave away Darrell Henderson for some. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. It's crushing. Jermichael Hasty, the Seattle running backs, Marquez Callaway, and Curtis Samuel. And obviously the Seattle backup running backs. Um, they look to me like a group of players who would be cobbled together on a team that's kind of just trying to put pieces together and hope something good comes out of it. Which, by the way, in the book, Frankenstein, uh, he was he turned into a genius who taught himself how to read and became very enlightened. Did he really? Uh, yeah. You, oh, the book's amazing. I, I, it's crazy how many people don't know, like, in the book, like, He's like this brilliant, almost like a genius level guy. Um, yeah. And all he wants from Dr. Frankenstein is uh, a wife. And that's kind of where Bride yeah. of Frankenstein came from, the movie. Okay. Uh, anyway, all right. So let's, let's take a look at this as a whole. Uh, <laughs> Moody, rank for me the, these elements. Uh, Jamichael Hasty, Marquez Calloway, Curtis Samuel, and you can have your choice of this Seattle backfield. How would you put them in order of someone that you'd feel – at least, I mean, you know, somewhat good about starting this week. Woo! Frankenstein, here we go. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, I, I would say uh, Jamichael Hasty, um, and then from there, uh, Seattle running back, which I think it could be DJ Dallas, just depending with Carson and, and Hyde, and then um, Samuel, and then Callaway. That's how I would break it down. Jake, how about you? Yeah, so uh, Carlos Hyde. Right out there, I understand the risk he's coming off the field, but Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson's role, I'm going to take that, no question. Uh, then I'll I had, take, I had a Jermichael Hasty. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah, we're going to get to Hasty. Hold okay, on. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was rude of me. <laughs> and then, I'm, I'm the Halloween show of all shows. I, I will take Callaway for the same reason 
we did it on the show Sunday morning. The reason it brought up Callaway is because if there's no Emmanuel Sanders, which it doesn't sound like there's going to be for the second week with him on the COVID list and no Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith gets number one attention. And the reason I didn't like, and I'm the Traquan Smith quote unquote guy is because he's not a wide receiver to be able to handle that. So now I drop down to the number two who has got the better opportunity. And then I'll go with Marcus Callaway again, unless Emmanuel Sanders comes back and then I'll go to Traquan Smith. So that makes sense for you right there. So Hyde Callaway, Samuel, and then hasty dead last because you can't tell me, I know we're trying to predict Kyle Shanahan, but you can't tell me Hasty just had his opportunity to be the guy, and Jeff Wilson in his first game back got ran into the literal ground because he got him hurt, that being Shanahan got Wilson hurt with the opportunity where Hasty could have been the guy, and he wasn't. So Jeremy Kennan's out there this week, and Tevin Coleman's out there. Hasty's dead last on that team, just like he's dead last in this list. Is Marquez Callaway um, a thing? I guess is that like I mean like, until Sanders it, comes back. Really? Is that or I mean Thomas. is that okay? Yeah, Fair. yeah. No, I agree with that because I'm like you look at Callaway. I'm like you left the Saints last week with a 28 percent target share. You know, ankle injury is a concern, but the reality is, I'm like he's he's relevant in fantasy. You know, as long as Michael Thomas is out and Emmanuel Sanders. One thing about with with Hasty though, it's just like Jake mentioned, like the whole Kyle Shanahan thing. It's uh. It almost seems like unless they're going to use Hasty as, as more of a receiver out of the backfield, it's uh, I know that the Seahawks defense has given up, I think, an average of like five receptions and 41 receiving yards per game, like over its last five. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, you know, if it'll be more of a McKinnon game or, or Hasty. It's just such a frustrating situation to try to project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I I almost feel like, and you know, let me put Damian Harris in the mix here. Um, no. Oh, no, actually, I got him in the invisible man. All right. Sorry. You're right, Jake. Thank you. I, I got ahead of myself. That's how my brain works. I don't. I don't trust uh, yesterday Nando to have put it into the rundown. Yesterday Nando. That's, <laughs> you know, but that's the big thing. Too. The, the, that's the other reason Hasty is dead last for me because what I continually said about Hasty is he's very similar to Jarek McKinnon. And that game two weeks ago, they brought him in at the end of the game and used him running. And to what Eric just said, even in last week's game when he got some opportunities, it still wasn't in the passing game. So you're you picture Hasty. Just pretend he's McKinnon for a second. And then tell me that the uh, the coach, Shanahan, is only going to use him as a runner. You would be like, I don't really like that. And I think that's a good point by Eric, and that's why I'm so low on Hasty. I like when you guys compliment each other. Even though we disagree. Yeah, you know, it's it's respect. That's, that's, how, we, that's how we work. Yeah. Uh, by the way, so we, we've talked a lot in we this. We Frankenstein our opinions. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> I had momentum there for a second. <laughs> and I stomped on it like Frankenstein. stomped on it. So now I don't Monster. even want to go on. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh... As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's move on to The Invisible Man. And I'm going to start with Moody. Mecole Hardman, when Sammy Watkins went down uh, with a concussion slash neck injury, it was like, let's go get Hardman. He's going to be amazing. This is it. The moment we've all been waiting for. And uh, it's kind of a big plop that happened. What's going on, man? What's going on? Is, is Hardman, do we drop him for Denzel Mims? Do we hold out hope that he's going to break that huge play and uh, and get that 140-yard game or, or somewhere in between? Well, you, you kind of mentioned one key word. You said hope. And at least in my experience, hope is not a winning fantasy football strategy. The, the issue is Demarcus Robinson. I'm like, dude's not going away. I'm like, last week, I'm like, he ran 21 routes to Hardman's 11. Like, it was nice with Hardman. You know, he caught both of his targets, you know, for 57 receiving yards. You know, it was a nice catch, nice play. But it's just the target volume. It's just simply not not there. And so he's just going to need, you know, multiple injuries until he's fantasy relevant. It just seems like Demarcus Robinson is the guy. Jake? Yeah, so there's some insight I got to this. I was uh, talking about on a podcast, and the fact is you – know, it's that Miko Hardman wasn't part of the plan. And why I say that is because if you go back to draft night, the Tyreek Hill news had just broken and the Chiefs kind of panicked and the Chiefs kind of went for a receiver that would replace Tyreek Hill and that role that they have for this offense. If you look at what was on the board, if you look at the Chiefs needs that offseason in the draft, their need wasn't wide receiver. Everybody knew that. That's why it was a shocking pick at the time. But when you put it in the context of why it happened, they didn't need a wide receiver. And by the way, DK Metcalf was still on the board for that pick. So you're telling me that even if they do need a wide receiver, this is a panic pick. Michael Harmon's only going to be a thing if Tyreek Hill is hurt. His role is not going to change. Uh, similar to the gift that I used in the column is like, know your role and shut your mouth. Thank you. The Rock is he's just, that's who he is. He's not going to be relevant without that. Sammy Watkins came out. Demarcus Robinson, as Eric, come, you know, Eric just said, comes in. He's the big body. He's that play type. He's, it's dissimilar from Hill and Harmon, and that's the problem. Is Harmon is Harmon was the panic? Let's replace Tyreek Hill, and that's the only thing he's ever going to be. Uh, we would love to see him get more opportunities, but it's going to have to be on a different team, or if something was to happen with Hill. Jake, uh, where do you get your gifts, Giffy? No, I search. I search or create my own. Oh, all right. A lot of created my own over the past couple of weeks. I uh, I search Giffy, and it's just it's not as good as it used to be. No, that's it's create your own. Plus, yeah. if you search Giphy, you get ones that have been like used and recycled over the years. And yeah, they're yeah. kind of in the, the the search. It's not good, you know. Like I don't know, the search isn't for me. I don't know. I was looking for Halloween stuff for Vaquero's column today because it bothers him when I put gifts in there sometimes. Um, I couldn't find anything good. I ended up with an Elvira one, which just I feel like seven out of ten on that. Anyway, moving along, the Invisible Man. Um, we talked a little bit about Jarek McKinnon earlier. Moody, I want to talk about Cam Akers. It's uh, it's weird, right? The whole thing is weird. Very weird. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I got. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I got I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. I'm just thinking. You know, it's, it's just it's just odd because I, uh, you know, I love Cam Akers. You know, watched him at, at Florida State. You know, for uh, for years and loved him coming out. You know, loved the landing spot. But it's just. Like, if you've got a guy that's only played 13% of the Rams' offensive snaps uh, this season, I'm like, that, that's clearly a problem. I'm like, you, then you add on, you know, Sean McVay and, you know, all of his, uh, you know, I'm the smartest guy in the room, you know, ego maneuvers. 
but you've got Malcolm Brown that's there and Daryl Henderson. You know, those two guys are going to have to completely like face plan <laughs> and implode you know, before Akers sees significant opportunities. So it may just be one of those scenarios for where um, like he's just going to get limited snaps, limited touches, you know, for the rest of the season and may have an opportunity, depending on how the offseason goes, to emerge in a second season. That, that's kind of where I'm at with him right now. Uh, Jake, is there anything to make you believe, outside of Sean McVay being a crazy person who just wants to be smart, um, that, you know, in five weeks we'll be seeing flipped fortunes for Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson? No, I think at this point, at best case, we get worst case for us in fantasy and that all three of them start getting used. Cam Akers is a rookie. You know, we heard the, oh, he's going to get a bigger load and then got nothing. And then we get the next week, he admits and says that he's got more work to do. Uh, there's a lot of rookies that are struggling. And, you know, we talked about DJ Dallas before and I'm not pushing back on like, oh, I get Eric on this one. But like <laughs> my concern about DJ Dallas is what we're seeing for a lot of rookies is struggling in a passing game with assignments and blocking. At the end of that game, he got Russell Wilson destroyed because he's staring the defender in the face and it almost looks like he jumped out of the way. Like he's looking at the guy and moves out of the way. Like these rookies are struggling with this and with no preseason, we're seeing it. So I'm not saying that's Cam Akers' problem, but he is a rookie. And when Sean McVay comes out and says that, you know, maybe, like you said, he's just trying to be the smartest man to move in room and trick everybody by saying that. But last week, Akers got barely any touches again. So at this point, I think best case for him is a full-blown committee, which would be the worst case for us. At least right now, we're down to two options. That's a good, Well, are we, Jake? What do you mean? I, I just feel like, all right, so... I can see what you're saying. Like, Darrell Henderson's the guy, right? Malcolm Brown, I assume, is like, if you believe the Giants' idea that they needed him to block, if you're playing the Bears this week, I assume Malcolm Brown's going to play a lot against the Bears, if we follow this McVay logic in public. Cam Akers, to me, though, still seems like that dude who could jump in and have a huge game out of nowhere, and McVay's just going to sit back with a cigar after the game in a dark room and laugh about it. Okay, and then, you well, know, then like, like, close a photo dreams, album. Dude. Well, yeah, it's not a dream. It's a vision. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird right. vision, dude. But I mean, okay, so let me ask you this, Jake. Let's say Cam Akers is eight for thirty-two this week, and then next week he's like fourteen for ninety with a touchdown. What then? When's it going to be too late to get Cam Akers? Never. All right. It's not happening. All right. All right. Uh, Moody, Damian Harris. <laughs> I, so. I'm sure we're all in the same boat here. We help some people out with their fantasy teams. We give them advice. We get those texts. Um, Damian Harris has been brought up as a drop a couple times to some people who I'm helping with. Their, and it's 12-team leagues, you know, three wide receivers. Uh, is, is that a thought that should be entering someone's head? I mean, yeah, he's not having the best of seasons. But in a, in a year where we're, as Vaccaro puts it, starved for any kind of bell cow-ish running back, Um he should have some value, right, relative to that position and probably not be on a drop list. Yeah, because I, I have uh, seen some things on Twitter, you know, about uh, about dropping him. But I, I just struggle with uh, with dropping a guy like that who's in a position to at least see, you know, some volume. You know, it's just opportunities are so hard to uh, hard to come by. The Patriots have struggled, uh, you know, lately. You know, I'm sure they'll bounce back, like, offensively, but – I just I always try to be more patient and just continue to kind of take like a, a wait and see approach and, and just not make any emotional fuel decisions. And so he's a guy I would still I would still hold on to. I think we'll see better days for the Patriots, you know, moving forward. I think you could start this week. J- 
Jake, how about you? Are you, uh, I mean, you don't have to start Damian Harris every week, but he's, he's decent enough to keep on your bench and like in case of emergency break glass, right? Nope. Really? Are you really? You're anti Damian Harris? No, I'm anti Bill Belichick's backfield. So it's like, let somebody else. That makes you anti Damian Harris the moment. It makes me anti everybody except for James White and James White's not even usable this year. The answer is let somebody else go try and start Damian Harris and enjoy the two points as you beat them in their lineup. All right. Those are the very succinct answer. Thank you, Jake. Uh, last guy I have on the Invisible Man is Justin Jackson. I don't know if it was fair to put him in here, but I want to talk about him um, because that situation in San Diego, I mean, Eckler's going to come back at some point. It doesn't seem like as exciting of a timeshare as I, I think a lot of us maybe initially thought. Almost in the same way that, that you two um, loved Ernest Johnson so much and thought that he was going to run a lot. Well, Nick Chubb was out. And I said, no, 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 the guy's, you know, one carry a game, maybe if we're lucky. I love all the people that are going to tune into this episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) That's right. Okay. I should put a note in. That was me. And uh, (laughs) those two were very much not on board with what I was saying. Um, But let's talk Justin Jackson and this backfield in Los Angeles for the Chargers just for a second. Um, Moody, is this, I don't know, stable? Is that what's the word you would use to describe this backfield? I guess. Think <laughs> it's stable. Um, oh, let me think. Of, I can't think of like a, a witty word, but I was kind of my, my thoughts were. I was thinking like unpredictable. All right, I like. That. I'm, I'm like the opposite of stable. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it. I just think it's unpredictable because you know you got you got Joshua Kelly that's there. I'm like you've got uh, you got Justin Jackson. I just don't think we're going to know what we're going to get uh, kind of each each and every week because, you know, Joshua Kelly's a rookie and he's kind of had his moments. I'm like, you know, all of a sudden, who knows? You know, you could go go into uh, this week and then have him being used, you know, more as a receiver out of the backfield and may even lead like in touches. So it is unpredictable. You know, Eckler, at least everyone thinks that he'll be coming back soon. But just given, you know, Eckler and the contract that, you know, that the uh, Chargers gave him this offseason – and the guys that they have on the roster, I just don't see a need really to to rush him back. So I don't think he's going to you know be in there you know sooner rather than later. Uh, but it's just I think unpredictable is the best way to to approach it. So I'm still fine with starting either one of those guys as kind of like an RB three RB four. But I think the most important thing in this scenario is just to have the the right expectations going in. Jake, let me uh, let me flip this a little bit in the same way we did uh, Frankenstein, Nicole Hardman, uh, Jarek McKinnon. Cam Akers, Damian Harris, Justin Jackson. Put them in order for me. I know five's a lot. <laughs> Run through them again? Yeah, yeah no, sorry. Uh, so, you know, there's there's McCole Hardman, right. Jarek McKinnon. And let's talk about this in a, in the, the framing of, I mean, Jake, you could just look at it. Everyone has the link. For but what? Anyway. We're just doing these five players that yeah, you want me to order? Okay. Yeah, these five players, I'd like to order them, but I'd like it like rest of season. Like create like a trade chart, basically. Who would you Who would you trade for? Okay, A, is there anyone on here you'd like to trade for? B, what's the order in which you'd value them rest of the season? Nicole Hardman, Jarek McKinnon, Cam Akers, Damian Harris, Justin Jackson. C, none of the above. D, all of the above. Fine. You could say none of the above D, if you don't want to trade D, for anyone. Why are we doing that? Right, so, like, rest of the season? We're doing it to help people, Jake. Right. So, rest of the season, like, that takes out Jarek McKinnon. I was going to say, for right now, I want Jarek McKinnon until... Raheem Mostert's back. So if you want to throw that, by the way, there's go buy low on him if you're a, a winning team because that's been proven. Mike, when Mostert's healthy, he is the guy. That's the one we can trust with Shanahan, I would assume, at least <laughs> to this point. But so Jarek McKinnon probably wouldn't be first. I would just say, you know, Austin Eckler sounds like 
you know, what coach has ever said he's like he's going to be back later rather than sooner like it's always sooner rather than later and he's saying later rather than sooner and that it sounds more serious and all that like is S- is Austin Eckler even going to be back for the fantasy playoffs at this point so I put Justin Jackson first despite the fact that I agree with Eric this looks to be a 50-50 split and it's going to be game script dependent and actually even just hot hand as they have mentioned themselves is if the Justin Jackson and Kelly were split in 50-50 in that first game, and Jackson was just outplaying them. And then it was Jackson mostly in the fourth quarter. And then last week, it was kind of 50-50 again. Kelly got a little bit more run. It wasn't really outplaying uh, Jackson, but it was just kind of working. So I would still go with Jackson because at least you got an RB3. And then I will stash Cam Akers at number two. And I don't even want Hardman or Harris. I don't, I don't even want him on my roster. All right, like, just let, let somebody else deal with that. You didn't have to get so angry about it. No, because they still have trade value. Go <laughs> trade them away. I don't want to trade for them. Trade them away because people argue and say, oh, there's got to be some value there. Just trade them away. All right. Um, on that note, we're going to wrap up our Halloween show uh, and let everybody go out and, well, I guess no one's trick-or-treating. I don't know how many people are actually trick-or-treating this year. Go, you know, go watch The Nightmare on Elm Streets. And try it. I you think it trick was... or treat this year. They leave their people are leaving candy on the front step, and then you just don't walk closer than six feet to people. Yeah, but you don't know who's been touching that candy or wiping their nose and putting them in the bowl. Jake, come on, man. Oh, well, then you do what my sister does: put a thing of hand sanitizer next to the bowl. Think about everybody. You gonna wipe down the Reese's? No, you wipe down your hands before you put your hand in the bowl. Yeah, but then you, you whatever. What if what if someone's sick and they wipe their nose and they touch the Reese's and they put it in the bowl? No, that's the point. His hand sanitizer before you put your hands in the bowl. What if someone sneezes in the bowl? Oh my God! No, then stay home. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, got, I got another. I got another idea. It's like what we're doing is just putting the candy like in a plastic uh, sandwich bags and then put it in the bowl. <laughs> there you go. Just leave it By outside. The way, there you go. Layers. It's, it's four four offensive linemen, the outside linebackers coach, the DBs coach. That's oh my God. for the Giants. Oh my God, Giants! And I bet you it gets bigger by the time people are listening to the show. All right, one, but only what they test. They, it's the same thing as the uh, Raiders, though. One tested positive, they quarantine the other four. Oh, that's good. Well, I mean, you know, the Giants' offensive line can weather something like this. No, it can't. Then nobody's going to be know, able. Jake, I'm joking. No, <laughs> nobody's going to be able to tell whether or not they have replacements. <laughs> oh man, this is great. I love it. Uh, on that note, happy Halloween, everybody. We hope you're not Giants fans. Um, thank you for uh, for listening. Check out theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod plus Edge Sports and Pepsi. Uh, shout out to them for sponsoring the show and letting us do this. We'll be back next week with, um, I don't know what the theme is going to be. Maybe we'll go through all 32 teams again. That was a lot of fun. Originally, I wanted to do 101 questions and see if we could get all 101 questions during the show. So maybe we'll do that. Stay tuned. We got a lot coming your way. A lot of season left. Good luck to everybody this weekend. For Jake Seeley, for Eric Moody, for Michael Beller, who Jake just terms as the producer. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope this is helpful. Goodbye.